Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Karma Sense Foodcast. I'm Davey H. and this is the supplement episode. That's right, we're up to episode 38. That's as many episodes as there are slots in an American roulette wheel. Yep, we Americans always have to one-up our European allies who only have 37 slots. Then there's the Russian version. Thrifty souls that they are, they usually play with just six slots. Regardless of how many slots you have, all of those represent types of gambling. Some have higher stakes than others. Dietary supplements are a different kind of gambling, but the stakes can actually get pretty high too. Luckily, by the end of this episode, you'll know how to greatly increase your odds. So, let's get started. Nutritional supplements are a complex and controversial topic. I could easily fill one Foodcast episode for every dollar the world spends on them. So, consider this part one of a 32 billion part series on this subject. Because that's right, the vitamin, mineral, and supplement industry is a 32 billion dollar business. Some people say supplements are a quick, convenient way to better health. Others think all they do is upgrade the value of your pee. In this episode of the Foodcast, you get the full 411 on supplements and how to get the most from them. Some of what we'll talk about demonstrates my excellent handle on the obvious, but the supplement industry does such a good job of spreading FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt that the obvious can quickly get murky. So, let's dive in. Before we get into any specific recommendations on which supplements are useful and which are a waste, Let's go top-down on how you should look at supplements in general. First, you should get your nutrients from food, not supplements. Real food beats pills, powders, and tinctures every time. Don't assume you need to take a supplement just because the latest research tells you to. First of all, the latest research is likely biased by the healthcare industrial complex. Also, there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. You can overdose on this stuff, and they can have nasty side effects. Finally, if you're truly deficient, you should try and adjust your diet so that you're supplementing with food instead of pills. Nature's packaging of vitamins, minerals, and phytochemicals beats human-manufactured packaging every time. Often, the blend of nutrients in a single food optimizes your body's absorption of the desired minerals. For example, calcium on its own doesn't do much for skeletal health. Your body needs potassium and magnesium as well to get the full benefit. Nuts and seeds, including pumpkin seeds, almonds, cashews, and pistachios, are a great source for all of these. This is evolution and symbiosis at work. These plants develop these desirable qualities of nutrition and good flavor, so we treat them like crops, and we continue to grow them instead of treating them like weeds we try to eradicate. Eradicator! (laughs) So get your nutrients from food, not supplements. The Google machine is helpful for this. There are also apps, doctors, and a goofy, geeky, but knowledgeable nutrition and health coach that can lend you a hand as well. Second hint is to take supplements with a purpose and that have a reasonable chance of working. For example, many supplements claim to build muscle through a variety of mechanisms. These include, but are not limited to, creatine, branched-chain amino acids, beta-alanine, glutamine, and everyone's favorite, whey protein. Some of these have strong evidence of being effective, for example, creatine and protein supplements. Others do little more than make you feel tingly inside. 
I'm talking to you, beta alanine. But if you're inactive or if your physical activity is mostly at the recreational level, even potentially effective supplements just won't work. These are for the elite competitive athlete only. Remember, that's only an example. You may not need a vitamin D supplement if you work outside in Florida. Men almost never need iron supplements. Calcium supplements are used by a lot of people who not only don't need them, but may be causing other issues because they take them. If you don't know the health reason you're taking a supplement, even if it's one your doctor or goofy, geeky, but knowledgeable nutrition and health coach recommends, that's a big red flag that you're not following this suggestion. The third thing to keep in mind is supplements just can't do the impossible. There are certain laws of nature that can't be violated, not even by a brightly colored pill advertised by a smoking hot model. And don't get down on me for sexist language. Smoking hot model is a gender neutral term. It doesn't really make fun of any sex one way or the other. It applies equally to both cheesecake and beefcake. Anyway, supplements can't burn fat. You only lose fat by having a calorie deficit. Some supplements may help to increase your metabolism. Others have the potential of stimulating your gut floors. And don't worry what that is. It just makes me feel smart saying it. But the overall impact on your metabolism or glucose uptake is so small, these benefits hardly make a difference. And supplements probably can't cleanse or detox, improve your memory, prevent the common cold, etc. I hedge and say probably. There's always a chance that a supplement has some minor desirable effect, but you'll always get more for your money if you eat better, move more, and manage your stress. Fourth, your list of current medications includes supplements. When you visit a doctor, you're often asked for a list of your current medications. Regardless of whether you're specifically asked, include any supplements that you take on that list. There are tons of unintended consequences when mixing supplements and certain conventional medicines. Supplements may enhance or suppress the intended effect of other drugs you take, or the interaction of supplements and other medications could cause negative side effects. Take birth controls, for instance. They often contain estrogen as an active ingredient, and garlic increases the rate at which your body breaks down estrogen. Taking garlic along with birth control pills can decrease the effectiveness of those pills. So if you take a birth control pill and eat a ton of garlic, you may want to consider an additional form of birth control. I'm pretty sure one of my kids was born because we didn't heed that advice. Anyway, if you have a doctor who specifically asks you what supplements you're taking as part of a routine visit, you've found a real gem. Hold on to that physician for as long as you can. Another thing, it's very important as you shop for supplements to remember, the supplement industry is just out of control. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration is the government entity that monitors the nutritional supplement industry. In that role, they treat supplements like foods and not like drugs. And that means they don't test for safety, purity, or effectiveness. You're on your own, and the horror stories abound. Recently, the state of New York tested products sold by four major retailers and found that four to five of the herbal supplements they sold didn't contain any of the contents claimed on the label. In yet another case, methamphetamine analogs were found in weight loss supplements. No wonder they worked. You can remove or around this supplement non-regulation goat rodeo by finding a trusted source for information on supplements. Resources include 
the NSF. Reliable supplement manufacturers send their products to NSF for certification and testing that proves the products contain the good stuff they're supposed to and that they aren't contaminated with nasty things. Manufacturers who submit their products for NSF testing proudly display the NSF logo on their packaging. And before you ask, the initials NSF don't really stand for anything. I mean, they used to stand for the National Sanitation Foundation, but they changed their name to NSF. They say because they've expanded their mission, but I think it's because the other foundations used to tease them. Another great source is Labdoor.com. Labdoor independently buys supplements from grocery store shelves and tests them against a variety of metrics. They then rank products by highest to lowest quality and highest to lowest value. Labdoor is a for-profit organization, but they're very transparent about their operations and funding. I trust them more than I trust the FDA, which isn't really saying that much. And finally, there's Examine.com. Examine is similar to Labdoor. It's another independent, non-aligned organization who gets geeky deep into the research. Unlike Labdoor or NSF, they don't give a thumbs up or down on any specific brand. They either confirm or deny whether the substance being supplemented really has any value or not. One final overarching principle to keep in mind is that supplements are not an all or nothing deal. You don't necessarily need to take your supplements every day. Part of taking your supplements with a purpose means recognizing when you may be in a deficit for a specific nutrient and when you may be okay. The clearest example of this is protein supplements. Daily protein requirements vary based on goals and activity level from as low as 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight to as much as 2 grams per kilogram. Protein supplements should be used on those days when you know your protein intake through real food won't meet your protein needs based on your weight and activity. Also, your body can only metabolize 20 to 40 grams of protein every few hours. Having a 20 gram muscle milk protein smoothie with your Pizzeria Uno whole hog burger that includes 178 grams worth of ground beef, sausage, bacon, pepperoni, and three kinds of cheese is just a waste. Also, it's gross. To complicate matters, other supplements need a longer view approach. Magnesium is a useful nutrient that many people don't get enough of, but you shouldn't worry about supplementing if the magnesium you consume via your diet is only low on the occasional day. But who has time to think about how much magnesium you're consuming at any given time? Get yourself tested. If your magnesium levels are low, think about supplementing. Then there's vitamin D. For most people in the U.S., you're consuming enough vitamin D if you're outside for 15-20 minutes a day from late spring to early fall. However, in the winter, you may have to supplement. I'll talk more on vitamin D later. The toughest part about all this is that habit formation, such as taking supplements on a regular basis, requires repetition to wire it into your brain. If you have to make this special effort to think first, you might forget. I'm sorry about that. It wasn't my idea. Now that we have the overall philosophy of supplement taking out of the way, let's look at individual supplement types. To look at individual types, we'll develop a taxonomy along the way that makes some karma sense, and I'll start off with macronutrient supplements. Your macronutrients are either protein, carbohydrates, or fat. And given the bacon and cheese flavored, chocolate covered cheese puff world in which we live, you wouldn't think carbs or fat supplements are a thing, but they are, and there's actually a good reason for it. But let's start with protein first, just because it's easy. 
The KarmaSense eating plan asks that you eat protein in every meal. It's essential to maintaining muscle mass and for good organ health, but some people, especially women, have problems getting enough. Most protein supplements come in the form of powders that can be derived from dairy whey, eggs, soy, hemp, peas, and other sources. They also come in premixed drinks like Ensure or bars like Quest. There's no need to take protein supplements unless you have trouble getting enough protein throughout the day. And that would be around 20 to 40 grams per meal, 3 to 6 times a day. Actual needs will depend on factors like sex, age, and activity level. People often take protein supplements because they believe they're a shortcut to building muscle. For the vast majority of us, protein from real food is all we need. Elite athletes may benefit from targeted kind of protein nutrition that comes from supplements. I'm not an elite athlete who would benefit from this type of supplementation, but I do drink protein smoothies on my weight workout days, not because they'll get me swole, but because I like the way they taste. But I do it anyway because it's sterile and I like the taste. If you choose to supplement for protein, be mindful of whatever crap ingredients, including added fake or real sugar, might be thrown in there to make the supplement more palatable. The next macronutrient people might supplement carbs. This may be counterintuitive to many people, but when you consider that fiber is a carbohydrate, that most people need between 25 to 40 grams of fiber to, per day, and that the typical Western diet includes about half that, you begin to understand why some people need to supplement with fiber, carbohydrate. Fiber is critical to digestive and heart health. Fiber assists in many of the body's anti-inflammatory processes, so it works in other systems not related to the heart and your circulatory system. So, for example, a recent Tufts University study, Go Jumbos, even though you're the only school I applied to that I didn't get in. Anyway, the Tufts study found an inverse link to fiber consumption and osteoarthritis. The best way to get fiber is through, ta-da! real food, including beans, whole grains, nuts, seeds, vegetables, and fruit. If you find you're not getting enough fiber through food and need to supplement because you're perhaps constipated or being ignored on Christmas, the most common sources are psyllium husk, salvia hispanica, also known as chia seeds, and if you're really feeling frisky, yakon, which is a type of potato, therefore something Tom Brady's not going to eat. Of the three, psyllium husk is the only one that's been researched thoroughly, but there's no reason to suspect that chia seeds or yakon won't work so well either. If you're going to take a fiber supplement, make sure you're drinking enough water throughout the day. Taking fiber for constipation without getting enough water is going to backfire on you, and while that may sound amusing, if it happens to someone else, it's really not that cool. The final macro that's a viable supplement is fat. And the fat most people supplement with are the omega-3 polyunsaturated fats. The KarmaSense Eating Plan tells you to eat good fats daily and balance a variety of good fats, and it leads with advice that all natural fats have health benefits. But the Western diet gets too much of some, mostly saturated fat and polyunsaturated omega-6 fats, and not enough of others, and we need to balance that. One of the fats we fall short on is monounsaturated fats, and that's the kind of fat in olives and avocados. It's relatively easy to get your intake up for those through food alone. The other fat with common deficiencies are the omega-3 polyunsaturated fats, and the best sources for these are fish and sea vegetables. So the common cure for an omega-3 deficiency is taking a fish or algae oil supplement. 
But omega-3s have an interesting history. When I was growing up, fish was, quote-unquote, a brain food. My own anecdotal evidence of this is my dad, who lived a robust life well into his mid-90s and was sharp as a tack to the end. He was really ahead of his time. When he worked in Manhattan during the Madman era, he was eating fish and drinking tea for lunch while his colleagues were doing the steak and three martini thing. But I digress. Towards the end of the 20th century, the benefits of fish oil became well publicized, and the demand this created for fish is a contributor to the tenuous state of the world's fisheries. That demand is driven by a never-ending line of proof that omega-3s are good for your brain, eyes, skin, mood, heart, immunity, weight, and hormonal balance. And all of these benefits have the research to back it up. Recommending that a client of mine takes fish oil as an initial step to better health is an easy slam dunk. But, as with all things tied to the healthcare industrial complex and its never-ending battle with its analog, the Healthy Lifestyle Militia, there's as much money to be made debunking the health benefits of substance as there is in promoting its health benefits. Last year, Brian Peskin published a paper that proved consumption of fish oil was unnecessary and even dangerous, and this paper got big headlines. I mean, this guy wasn't even affiliated with a university or research institution, which explains my inability to cheer for a team like I usually do. Sure enough, several months later, the author and the associated research was discredited. The journal ended up retracting the paper. The media? They didn't retract. They let the sensational headlines stand. Most experts agree that if you take any single supplement, fish oil should be tops on your list. But even though there's evidence that taking fish oil supplements has benefits, there's plenty of studies out there that say they have no effect. So with, as with all supplements, the previous hints apply. And those are, focus on food as your primary source for omega-3s. Consult with your health professional, because there are some cases in which taking fish oil could lead to problems. And find a reputable supplier that offers fish oil supplements that actually contain fish oil, doesn't contain other stuff, and won't break the bank. And Labdoor is a good source for information here. I know, I'm leaving you with kind of a mixed message, so let me be very direct. If you don't eat at least three or more servings of fish a week, and your physician hasn't given you a reason to not take a fish or algae pill, go ahead and start taking them. It's a good insurance policy. There's a lot more I can say about fish oil, including proper storage, solutions for vegetarians, and why some plant-based sources of omega-3s are less than ideal. In fact, I have said it in other podcasts and blog posts, and I'll include links in the show notes. The next set of possible supplements are for macronutrients. And these are the vitamins and minerals that nutritionists generally recommend minimal daily doses for. Let's look at those now. Okay, micronutrients. If you want to fast forward on this, most people can and should take a multivitamin that has about 100% of the so-called daily recommended daily allowances of the broad spectrum of vitamins and minerals. There's little evidence that it hurts and some evidence that it helps. To dig into the next layer of details, taking a multivitamin as described ensures that you meet your basic needs without risk of overdoing it. If you're really following my advice of only taking supplements with a purpose, you'll have your diet and blood evaluated for vitamin and mineral deficiencies and target any shortfalls with food, and then supplements. 
Now beyond that, the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee, or DGAC, or DCAC, or them fillies and fellers who helped devise the dietary guidelines for Americans, found that we generally underconsume vitamin A, D, E, and C, as well as folate, also known as vitamin B9, and calcium, magnesium, fiber, and potassium. Plus, adolescents and premenopausal females are also pretty low on iron. Of the shortfall nutrients, calcium, vitamin D, fiber, and potassium are classified nutrients of special public health concern because their underconsumption causes known adverse health outcomes. And iron falls in this category again for adolescents and premenopausal women. We already talked about fiber, and I'll repeat my advice to get fiber from food. That's true with most of these nutrients, but more true with fiber than any other just because it's so dang easy to find in real food that anyone can eat. Let's look at the others of special concern. Calcium. I'm really surprised, and in a dad sort of way, disappointed, that calcium finds its way on the list. There are so many whole food sources for calcium. There's almost no excuse for taking calcium supplements. Lactose intolerant, vegan, paleo eater. You can be true to your lifestyle and still get plenty of calcium through food. Good non-dairy calcium sources include beans, green leafy vegetables, broccoli, almonds, turnips, and certain fish. If you get tested and find you're low in calcium, it's possible there's some other issue besides calcium intake. For example, it may be because you're low in some other nutrient that calcium needs in order to be absorbed. These include vitamin D, vitamin K, and magnesium. But even if it is a true calcium deficiency, just eat a balanced diet that includes calcium-containing whole foods. If you're not doing that, low calcium is probably not the only place your diet's falling short. Furthermore, too much calcium can cause oodles of health issues, including Alzheimer's disease, heart disease, kidney stones, and troliosis, an infliction I just made up, but sounds kind of horrible. Next up, vitamin D. If this were a sitcom, which clearly it's not, because it's not even close to funny, vitamin D would be the Marilyn Munster of our TV family. It's a fish out of water and an important part of the story. When I was a young fella and I'd see Marilyn on TV, I felt a warmth inside that now that I'm older, I realize was some kind of hormonal response. I won't get into details. And vitamin D isn't really a vitamin. It's the result of a different kind of hormonal response that usually results when your skin contacts sunlight. Unfortunately, a combination of sedentary lifestyle that keeps us inside and overuse of sunscreen is what drives our current deficiency. Vitamin D levels are critical to health. They support strong bones. If you're downing calcium for bone health but aren't getting enough vitamin D, that calcium's going to waste or effing up your body in some undesirable way. Vitamin D also fights off cancer and prevents dementia. So to further the fish out of water analogy, these last benefits, dementia fighting and cancer fighting, those were also seen in fish oil. Remember when I said it's best to get your nutrition from food? Well, besides sunlight, fish is one of the best dietary sources for vitamin D. So wrapped in that tasty container, a cedar plank salmon is a one-two punch of better health, proving once again that nature is the best multivitamin. And that's the conundrum of vitamin D. The best and most sustainable source can give you skin cancer if you take in too much. 
Dietary sources are tougher to come by, but they do exist. They include fortified dairy products, fish, egg yolks, and the ever-popular beef liver. Mmm, beef liver. If you're vegan, your best bets are getting that sun, eating mushrooms, and taking a supplement. And a pro tip on the mushrooms, much like you, if you stick your mushrooms in the sun before you eat them, they'll kick up the vitamin D content a notch. Cool story, bro. So what's a Foodcast listener to do with vitamin D? Get tested. If your D levels are in the right range, keep doing what you're doing. If you're not in the right range and you're not overly sensitive to the sun, make sure you get 15 to 20 minutes of exposure to the sun a day. Exposing only your hands and face is enough. If the mere mention of the word sun gives you sunburn, or you live in a climate with any definitive winter season and it's currently that season, you should supplement. Make sure you supplement using vitamin D3, the D3 form. This is the natural form of the vitamin that's most similar to what your body makes on its own and is most effective for absorbing calcium. Next in the micronutrient category, there's potassium. Potassium is an essential mineral found mostly in fruits, vegetables, and beans. It's the yin to sodium's yang in that it's key for circulation and helps prevent heart issues and stroke. People who are instructed to reduce sodium intake due to high blood pressure also would do themselves a favor to increase potassium since it has a modulating effect on sodium's ability to raise blood pressure. The thing of it is, looky here, you can't really supplement potassium because in a pure concentrated form, it causes cardiac arrhythmia, which is a technical term for when your heart no longer beats in a regular rhythm and instead mimics me on the dance floor. Dietary sources of potassium abound, so if you're low here, your diet may depend too heavily on processed foods. Real foods with potassium include potatoes, both kinds, yogurt, bananas, broccoli, coarse fish, lentils, and pistachios. Many so-called salt substitutes used by sodium avoiders contain potassium chloride. This too is a good source, but you need to keep the cardiac arrhythmia thing in mind. As an aside, apropos of nothing, marketers of potassium chloride would like to call that product potassium salt, but the Salt Trade Association, known as the Salt Institute, motto 180 over 120, is lobbying your Congress people against it. Because nothing threatens our liberty more than potassium salt being called salt, almond milk being called milk, and cauliflower rice being called rice, all active complaints from trade associations representing the salt, dairy, and rice manufacturers of America. Lastly, I mentioned iron deficiency. It's especially a problem for premenopausal women and adolescents. Iron is what carries oxygen in your blood. Anemia, or iron-poor blood, makes you tired because your blood isn't able to take on the oxygen it needs. This phenomenon led to these obnoxious commercials that don't stand the test of time too well. My wife. I think I'll keep her. Iron's also critical to the immune system. Well, guess what? Get your iron from food. The two types of iron are heme and non-heme. Heme comes from meat. The redder the meat, the hemier it is. And non-heme comes from plants like grains, green leafy vegetables, beans, and seeds. More bad news for vegetarians. The heme form is more bioavailable. That means your body absorbs it better. To make matters more complex, iron interacts with all kinds of other nutrients that either help 
or hinder absorption. Foods with vitamin C help. Coffee, tea, and soy hinder. But too much iron is also dangerous, which is why the supplement game has to be closely watched with this one. Iron overdoses lead to nausea, shock, and death, and chronic high levels increase risk of heart disease and cancer. So get tested and follow your doctor's orders. Don't take an iron supplement unless a health provider tells you to. And that's the lowdown on essential macro and micronutrients. Yes, there are plenty more vitamins and minerals you might benefit from supplementing with. But these, according to the TACAC, calcium, potassium, vitamin D, and iron are the big ones. And that leaves us with the third category of supplements. Let's take a look. We're down to the last category, and I'm just going to call that category uh, extra shit. These are all the substances that may show some benefit when supplemented in the diet but a lack of science, will, and lobbying might prevents the establishment of minimum requirements. This category ranges from concentrated forms of real food, like garlic or green tea, to isolated forms of things found in food, like resveratrol, which you find in red wine, or lycopene in tomatoes. This category also includes things your body may make on its own, such as creatine or CoQ10, in which it's theorized that if you can increase the amount in your body, you'll get extra benefit of having more readily available. Finally, this category includes things you would never eat, but allegedly has mystical powers such as echinacea for immunity or ginkgo biloba for fighting off dementia. Because none of these are essential, there's no way to address their efficacy in a way that's going to have broad appeal to everybody in the Foodcast audience. This is, of course, unless you listeners have a specific question about any kind of supplementation and how it works. So, Hit me up with your questions about vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, adaptogens, enzymes, hormone precursors, or any of those fancy things people try to sell you in a jar, and I'll be happy to discuss it. If you want a private consultation instead, that's easy to arrange. Just email me at davyh at karmasensewellness.com or head to karmasensewellness.com and hit me up on the contact page or through any one of my numerous linked social media accounts. Look. This is the food cast. It's not the pill cast or the supplement cast, but the world of supplements is inextricably tied to food and nutrition. I'm going to steer you to food, but I won't ignore the reality that sometimes you need a supplement solution. I recognize that many people look to supplements to biohack their bodies to do superhuman things, or at least to meet some very specific goals. I won't be a source for that biohacking thing, but I can help you with the goals part. I can also help you call bullcrap on the biohacking thing. And it's that part of my mission that has me telling you to forgo supplements if you can. Eat real food. Eat a variety of real food. Eat slowly and stop before you're full. Eat protein in every meal. Eat more vegetables and fruits. Eat whole food carbohydrates. And eat good fats daily. And balance a variety of fats. For insurance, drop a high-quality fish oil pill and a decent multivitamin, both of which you can find through labdoor.com. If after that you're symptomatic of something, have your doctor do a blood test. Have your doctor help you understand the results. Have your doctor talk to you about supplementation or refer you to a goofy, geeky nutrition consultant who will. Woohoo! Episode 38 is at a close. Thank you to all of you listeners. I hope this episode was worthy of your time. 
consider leaving a review if you haven't yet. Apple Podcasts is my preferred review platform. If you need some help navigating that, let me know. Next week, I'm back on the road talking about Karma Sense Eating, the skeptic's guide to mindful eating. I'll be at Dean's Natural Food Market on June 6th in Chester, New Jersey at 6 p.m. For the Foodcast, I'll be running a repeat episode. I haven't selected the episode yet because I want to do some audience analysis first and see what popular episode may not have reached some of the newer listeners. But to the devoted long-term listener, if you have a request, let me know. And since a repeat episode tends to put me in a nostalgic frame of mind, let's remember what your old pal Bozo always says. What does your old pal Bozo always say? Just keep laughing. Thank <laughs> you.